mystery. In our history. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Mystery in Our History podcast, where we take an in-depth look at all things urban legend and conspiracy theory related and how they came to be. I am J.R. Supa, that is Chris Barry. I am back in the driver's seat. <laughs> Taking the wheel once again. Yep. And I, say, I am Jesus coming to wheel. you from the new Four Guys Media Network studio located in my basement. <laughs> Um, we are still in the process of putting the finishing touches on everything. Um, all the important stuff is done. That's why Chris and I are able to podcast right now. Um, but the foam sound, um, absorption stuff and all that stuff isn't, uh, quite done yet. So there's still some stuff that needs to be done. Well, that soundproofing and yeah. Also forgive my voice. Um, if it sounds a little off or, or deeper or bassy or whatever the case may be. I'm actually, I think I'm coming down with something. So, um, but on the bright side, better now than when the kid comes. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'd rather be sick right now until he's born. Um, anyway, let's jump into today's episode. Now, unless you consider uh, flat earthers as a religious group um, and not just some crazies, this episode is going to be our first religious conspiracy. And what a better place to start than with Jesus. That's right. I mean, he's like the main character of the religion, so. <laughs> it's exactly his title. <laughs> main character of main religions. Of religion. <laughs> this religion. Exactly. All right. Keep in mind that what we are about to cover are not necessarily the views of anyone at Four Guys Media Network, and this is all just based on research. But with that said, the topic we are going to cover is the theory that Jesus and Mary Magdalene were husband and wife and had children. Now, if you're a Christian, you may or may not have heard this theory before, but common sense might di- uh, sorry, but common sense might dictate its accuracy. So let's dive in and see what evidence is there. Yeah, and and again, for anyone listening, I am so unknowledgeable about religion, so forgive me on my ignorance on this. Um, I'm going to try to follow along and and get it, but uh, comprehension's a little low, too, when it comes to religion for me, so... Um, So that's okay. I'm going to cover very small amounts of history, because, I mean, if we did a really big history version of this, um, we would really end up uh, just doing like three episodes just on Jesus. Yeah, and people, there's a book on it. That is very true. (laughs) I think it's located in the fiction section. Uh, Fiction, I think you can find it in most hotel dressers. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, so like I said, I don't think it's very necessary to deep dive into the history of Jesus since like Buddha or Muhammad, he's a very well-known historical figure. If you aren't Christian and haven't studied religion, something you should be aware of is that it is the common belief that Jesus remained unmarried his entire life. But from a historical standpoint, this seems very unlikely. The hardest part about the entire theory is that the most in-depth text we have on Jesus of Nazareth is the Bible, 
and that text has about 30 years of his life missing. Also, it should be noted that Jesus is believed to have died at the age of 33 to 35 years old. So in other words, a very large portion of his life is missing, pretty much from his circumcision to his adulthood. But we'll circle back to this. Yeah, and it seems like, uh, you know, a lot could have happened in those 30 years that are missing there from the text. Um, you know, he could have even, you know, may, dare I say it, sinned once, just once, maybe. <laughs> it's maybe. also defend, uh, you have Listen, to define a sin, too. It's not on paper, so I guess we can't say he did, but we can't say he didn't either. True story. Um, but, I mean, there's only, like, one story of his adolescence, and it was, like, when he went to the synagogue when he was, like, 12 years old or something weird. Um, mm-hmm. So, but enough about Jesus. Something there. Let's talk about Mary, shall we? Oh, Mary, Mary. Quite contrary. (laughs) Now, in the Christian religion, there are two very important Marys that were involved in the life of Jesus. The first and most widely known is Mary, mother of Jesus. The second is Mary Magdalene. So I have to know, which one is is in the reference of uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? That would be Mary, mother of Jesus. Mother of Jesus. Okay, cool. Um, I had no idea. No, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have no idea. Yes, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph is um, his parents and him. Mary and Joseph. Okay, yep. cool. Now, Mary Magdalene was a Jewish woman who, according to the four canonical, cannot, yeah, canonical gospels, hopefully I put the right mouthful. emphasis on the right syllable there, <laughs> um, which the canonical gospels are the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John from the Christian Bible. So those are those four very um, you know, well-known uh, Gospels. So according to those Gospels, Mary Magdalene traveled with Jesus as one of his followers and was witness to his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. She is mentioned by name 12 times in these Gospels, more than most of the Apostles and more than any other non-family woman in the Gospels. And according to many, or that's at least according to many mainstream scholars. So in this uh, good book here, um, Mary was basically like a friend of Jesus, right? Just kind of like was around, was just around when Jesus was around, if I'm getting it right. Well, I'm going to tell you, Chris. All right. (laughs) So the Gospel (laughs) of Luke, uh, chapter 8, verse 2 through 3, lists Mary as one of the women who traveled with Jesus and helped support his ministry. Quote, out of her resources, indicating that she was probably relatively wealthy. The same passage also states that seven demons had been driven out of her, a statement which, a statement which is repeated in the longer ending of Mark. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I gotta assume, like, those seven demons were separate, right? Not all at once? Um, I think she was possessed by seven demons at once, actually. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Way to handle your shit. I'm, a, I'm saying. Yeah. Now, in all four canonical, 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 I'm going to go with canonical. (laughs) It sounds better than canonical. Canonical Gospels. She is a witness to the crucifixion of Jesus, and in the synoptic Gospels, which are just the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, excluding John, she's also present at his burial. All four Gospels identify her either alone or as a member of a larger group of women, which includes Jesus' mother, as the first witness to the empty tomb and the first to testify to Jesus's resurrection. Okay. So I, I, I got to have you clear something up for me. Sure. And again, forgive my ignorance on the subject. Um, 
But when you say four Gospels uh, identify her, are you saying that there are like four different versions of the Bible? No. So within the the Bible, the Bible is a compilation. A a compilation. 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 Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) The Bible is a compilation of a lot of different uh, books or accounts. Okay. uh, Different, you know, so like the book of Revelations. Right. Um, Just... The, there, so there's following. correct. So there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Within the New Testament, there are four Gospels: the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Gotcha. So okay. those are four different accounts. All of them are, though, the accounts of the exact same story. It's just told from yeah. like each person. Because, because, like I said, I, I know there's different versions of the Bible. Like, like you said, the, there's the New Testament, Old Testament, and then I, I. So again, sorry if this is insanely ignorant, but is the Book of Mormon another version of the Bible? Or no, the the, the Book of Mormon is its own book. Okay. Yeah, I uh, mean it, well, it's their Bible. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. But this is the the Christian Bible, like when right. people refer to like the King James version of the Bible. Okay. That yeah, that sort of thing. Is it is that New Testament or Old Testament? Or is this is all New thing? Testament. All New Testament. Jesus Christ. Okay. Old Testament cool. is before Jesus was born. Everything okay. else is New Testament. Gotcha. Okay. Thank yep. you. No problem. So, for these reasons, Mary is known in many Christian traditions as the apostle to the apostles, because there were 12 apostles, all men. Um, she's also known as the 13th apostle. Mm. Now, Mary is a central figure in later apocryphal Gnostic Christian writings, including the Dialogue of the Savior, the Pistis Sophia, uh, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, and the Gospel of Mary. These texts, which scholars do not regard as containing accurate historical information, portray her as Jesus' closest disciple and the only one who truly understood his teachings. In the Gnostic Gospels, Mary Magdalene's closeness to Jesus results in a tension with the other disciples, particularly Simon Peter. Okay, so they excluded the three because they were inaccurate. Um, but, I mean, this is also a book that's talking about a guy who's turning water into wine and walking on water. Yes. Um, okay. Are you saying, like, the, the like, God, I'm sorry. I, again, I, <laughs> I feel like a burden here because I know nothing. But, like, uh, are you saying, like, basically... Because, like, where he was going wasn't accurate or, like, what he So the argument can be made that the only reason why these particular um, Gnostic Christian writings aren't considered to contain accurate historical information, um, who were the historians? You know what I mean? Like, if if it's the Catholic Church that are saying these aren't any good, it's probably Mm -hmm. because they're pointing to the fact that Jesus was not celibate. Gotcha. You see what okay. I'm saying? So yeah. it it's tough to really um, get a, a a grip on what that really ends up being. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. But yes, you're right. It's it's a pretty crazy claim for them to be like that's not historically <laughs> accurate. But this guy walked on water. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not again. I'm not trying to be an asshole here. But no, I, like, I I get it. You know, yeah. But well, by the way, I just want to clear up too. Like, sure. I'm, I'm definitely not trying to disrespect anything here. Like, oh, yeah, I don't know. We're just I'm asking just questions. Very, very ignorant about it, and just yeah. we've said on multiple um, occasions, you're allowed to believe whatever you want to believe. We fully support it. 
doesn't mean we have to agree. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Now, with these Gnostic writings, um, Mm -hmm. the seed becomes planted. So keep in mind, this is 2,000 years ago, right? Women are not the strong, independent people they are today in many parts of the world. They were expected to be subservient, wives, homemakers, childbearers, etc. So for a woman to make the other apostles jealous, what did the relationship and closeness have to be? Right, right. Because they wouldn't be jealous of just another, like a servant or another apostle. It would have to be a deeper bond, I feel like, to be jealous over. That's right, and that's the point. Okay. So this is actually also the premise for the best-selling novel and hit movie, The Da Vinci Code. The novel explores an alternative religious history whose central plot point is that the um, Merovingian kings of France were descended from the bloodline of Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene. The ideas derive from uh, Clive Prince's The Templar Revelation in 1997 and books by Margaret Starbird. The book also refers to The Holy Blood and the Holy Grail, 1982, um, though Dan Brown has stated that it was not used as research material. But Mary and Jesus having a relationship that far exceeds the teacher-pupil level plays a major role in the plot of this and many other texts. So that was the one thing in this outline that absolutely kind of blew my mind was the, the thought that like Jesus's bloodline could potentially be if this is true, this theory is true, it could be in existence today even. There could conceivably be a descendant of Jesus, yes. That's crazy, dude. That's really cool. I mean, I think that's really neat. That's really friggin' cool. Yeah. And I absolutely. think, I don't know if it's ever going to be possible. Um, So I think they said that they had discovered the, shre- what's, the what's the name of it? The Shroud of Torin or something like that. Um, I think that's what it's called. It's the the mm-hmm. towel that was used to wipe Jesus's face during his crucifixion when he was dragging the cross. Oh no, shit! I think I read somewhere a long time ago um, that it was discovered, or people thought that they discovered it. My question is, can you take that? Remember our database episode? Yeah. Take the DNA if there's any DNA, and match it up. Yeah. And run it through all those 23andMe databases. Maybe. And that's how you could find a descendant. It might be a very, very distant, distant, distant relative slash descendant, but it's possible. How cool. I, I don't know, man. I think that would be so cool to, to find It would be descendant of insane, Jesus. dude. Yeah. It would be utterly insane. Um, there's also another very common misconception about Mary Magdalene that we will tackle right here. Mary Magdalene was not actually a prostitute. Okay. Um, this was an inaccurate belief first raised in a series of Easter sermons delivered in 581 AD um, by Pope Gregory I. Yeah. Did I lose my spot? I think I did. you did. I did. <laughs> my, my apologies. <laughs> I lost my spot. Um, it, 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 it's, is there any reason why they would like spread that misinformation around? or? Um. So it wasn't a misinformation as much as it was a misinterpretation um, of the of the. He text. misinterpreted the text. Gotcha. Um, so, but if Mary wasn't a prostitute or a sinful woman, and she was a devoted follower of Jesus, and the only non-relative female that Jesus traveled with, 
Then, from a historical standpoint, it's pretty safe to assume that Jesus and Mary were more than just friends. But anyone can sit here, like we are, and make wild claims. I can say Jesus was gay, or that he wasn't actually Jewish. But where's the proof, right? So, because none of these conspiracies matter if you don't have at least something to back them up. Right. And of course, you know, as I always say, any good conspiracy comes with some sort of tangible evidence or at least something, something. that makes you go, hmm, that's that's my that's my key. Right. Something that makes you think about it. So. Well, yeah, I mean, we had pictures and a bunch of other evidence for aliens, Mothman, Pizzagate, Epstein, a bunch of other episodes we've done. So what do we have for this? Right. Um, so what we have is being referred to as the lost gospel. Yeah, so, okay, the lost gospel. It's uh, It sounds like something controversial, especially something lost and being dug up and kind of having something uh, about Jesus that uh, goes against that word, if you will, the Christian word. Yeah. So, In what appears to be a 6th century Syriac or Christian Aramaic text, that is a translation of an earlier Greek text from about the 4th or 2nd century. This text, in a rare manuscript section of the British Library, for the past 160 years, is ostensibly about the biblical Joseph of multicolored coat fame and his obscure wife, Asenath. Why does that matter? Well, in the Syriac community from which this gospel emerged, Joseph was actually a stand-in name for Jesus. And Asenath had, quote, many children by the crucified, end quote. And that's found in hymn 21 of Ephraim the Syrian. So could this be a very thinly coded text concealing a gospel that would otherwise have been destined for the bonfire? Okay. So I, again, I just want to make sure I'm get I'm following this because comprehension is low here. The lost gospel would have been about Jesus, but written about Joseph. Like Correct. The character so of Joseph. in okay. this particular case, because don't forget Joseph was also supposedly Mary's husband, right? Um, right. Not the father of Jesus, because that would be God according to the text. Okay. Um, but this is a different Joseph. Joseph was a common name at that time, so. They used Joseph as a stand-in for Jesus. Okay, almost like a decoy name, I guess. Correct. Okay. So in the manuscript, Joseph, a.k.a. Jesus, is identified with the sign of the cross traced in blood. Some have argued that this manuscript does not refer to Jesus. If so, why the sign of the cross? Why the blood? And why is he explicitly called the Son of God? As for Asenath, Our manuscript depicts her as living in a tower. The Hebrew word for tower is Megdal, hence Mary Magdalene. It's not her last name. It's a title. It means Mary the Tower Lady. Okay. So again, let's get a little bit lost on me at this point, but why are they misleading uh, this lost Lot, like lost scripture? Was it like like a fear of like being punished or killed for blasphemy or? That and um, a fear for the text just being completely destroyed. Okay. Like, I'll I'll get into it more. Okay. Um, So in the Lost Gospel, 
she is depicted as a Galilean Phoenician priestess that abandons idolatry after meeting and falling in love with Jesus. They marry, uh, but she's not simply Mrs. Jesus. <laughs> she is a partner in redemption referred to as the daughter of God and the bride of God. The Lost Gospel states that Jesus and Mary had two children, and it witnessed to the idea that, for their earliest followers, Jesus and his wife Mary were co-deities embroiled in the politics of their time. That is where it's a huge difference from the Catholic religion, and that's why this would have been very controversial, because you gotcha. would essentially you're having a female deity. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, I get you, I get you. All right. Well, that's, that's, that's definitely an interesting theory, and um, God, it's just, even though lot, some of it's getting lost on me, like, it's fun to explore these side streets of history, so. It's pretty cray-cray. Yeah, totally. Um, now, before we start getting hate mail and negative comments and downvotes, keep in mind that we are just reporting on what a text says. We are not trying to attack anyone's ideologies. This is simply a historical text, factual or not that completely contradicts the only other known text on a historical figure. But if you do want to send the hate mail, you can send email us at four, the number four guys, media network at gmail.com. Sure. Send it on over. Yeah. I love, I love it. I thrive off of it. Send it to me. Fair enough. <laughs> well, on a purely historical level, this really shouldn't surprise anyone. Marriage and children were expected of a Jewish man then and now. If he hadn't been married, that would have actually caused consternation to his family, possible scandal in the community, and the New Testament certainly would have commented on it, if for no other reason than to explain and defend Jesus' unusual behavior. But now we have a document that claims he was indeed married and fathered children. Not only this, that... Sorry... Not only this, the document indicates that for some of his original followers, Jesus' marriage was the most important aspect of their theology. How? Why? Because it just doesn't hold water without it? No, according to that lost gospel, Jesus and Mary Magdalene were essentially both considered deities. Right, right. Okay, yeah. So that marriage was the most important part because the two of them were the son and daughter of God, according to this. Gotcha. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Which kind of throws a weird ancestral monkey wrench into this thing. Right. But yeah. We'll, but... We'll, we'll breeze over that real quick. Yeah. But even with this document surfacing, there's still a large amount of negativity from people of the Christian faith whenever someone brings this to uh, topic up in debate or conversation. Yeah, I mean, general rule of religion is they don't like narratives being questioned, I, I've noticed. Well, I mean, yeah, it undermines hundreds or thousands of years of belief, so. Right, exactly. But maybe the reason for all this negativity is that the proof for the historical marriage between Jesus of Nazareth and the woman known as Mary the Magdalene has become overwhelming. Even before the discovery of this lost gospel, everything, everything, pointed to a marriage and nothing, absolutely nothing, argued for Jesus' celibacy. The only thing that continues to argue for Jesus' celibacy is 2,000 years of theological bullying. This may come as a shock to most people, but the fact is 
None of the four Gospels say that Jesus was celibate. The Gospels call Jesus rabbi, which is Matthew uh, 2649, Mark 1051, John 2016, if you want to look them up. Rabbis, then and now, are married. If Jesus wasn't married, someone would have noticed, and it would have been mentioned somewhere. And again, I, it's nothing about religion I, I know anything about. So to be a rabbi, do you have to be married, or can you be a single rabbi? I don't think you have to be, um, but again... In the Jewish community, marriage and children are important. Okay, it's like a, it's like a, we're not gonna. It's kind of like a, we want you to get married and have children. It's very, very important to right. everyone in the community. So look at it this way: if it's this important to the community as a whole, mm-hmm. how could the spiritual leader be um, taken seriously if he's not abiding by? One of the, the most important world. things in that religion. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. So the real question is, <clears throat> does the bloodline of Jesus still exist? Unfortunately, this, is a da Vin- this isn't the Da Vinci Code, so I doubt there's some special puzzle for us to follow that will allow us to uncover the descendants of Jesus and Mary, except for maybe 23andMe. If there ever was, something tells me that if the Catholic Church was aware of it, it's definitely hidden away somewhere, if not destroyed. Because keep in mind, there was a time that the Catholic Church was one of the most corrupt organizations in history. And I am not referring to the corruption that took place with the child abuse scandal. We are talking about bribery, murder, controlling monarchies, and countless other dastardly deeds. Back during the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, and again, I'm not here to talk ill of other people's religion, but, like, I know... These are historical facts. Yeah, like crusades and Mm -hmm. organizational corruption. In fact, these are some of the historical facts that we will cover when Mike's Mini History Lessons gets released. Coming soon in April. I honestly... I I don't even remember... uh, No, this episode should be out before Mike's Mini History Lessons comes out. I don't even know when this episode launches. I've completely lost track (laughs) of my timelines. (laughs) That's fair, man. You got so much on your on your plate right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's just facts. All right, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Take a breath. <laughs> but that's this week's episode. It's a short one, but there's a lot of substance here. And although the evidence isn't abundant, it's pretty hard to dispute the evidence. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, it, it's just stuff that exists, whether right. it's in a belief system like the Jewish belief system or an actual text, whether or not the text is accurate, it still exists. Right. I, I, and, you know, I'm going to let everyone else be the judge on this because I'm still, again, a little clueless. I like how that was presented to me. But for me, this is like reading like an alternate ending for like the Avengers series without <laughs> watching any of the movies. So it was just kind of like... <laughs> You know, I'm just like, That's fair. I think I'm following along, but I'm still just a little lost here. So, um. Yeah, I well, and it's it's tough for me because I spent um, like 16 years in Catholic school, right? Mm-hmm. Like I went, my, my preschool was Our Lady of Grace Convent. I was literally with nuns oh, no in kidding. preschool, yeah, up through kindergarten. And then first grade was like Catholic school. So for me, I've had this religion 
drilled into my brain for a very long time. Um, I don't believe me. I don't claim to know everything about the Catholic religion. Um, I I think I just know more loopholes than anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How to get around shit. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's about it. So uh, that is how we're going to wrap up this time on the Mystery in Our History podcast. Um, and you know, we'll see you next time. Uh, check out all of our other things. You can find us everywhere podcasts are. And we'll see you next time, folks. <laughs> Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions or topics for us to cover, email us at fourguysmedianetwork at gmail.com. If you're on the go, you can subscribe to our shows on iTunes. Be sure to check out our Patreon page, Four Guys Media Network, for access to exclusive content like minisodes and more. We have a lot of goals to hit, so we can keep improving and continue providing more content ad-free. So all of your donations are greatly appreciated. Make sure you subscribe to the Four Guys Media Network YouTube channel for all of our other projects by clicking the link on the right. And lastly, if you want to watch another episode, just click the link on the left. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.